The Knowledge Series, a podcast from Thomson Reuters. Hello, my name is Ben Firth. I'm Head of Client Management for Haiku, and in this episode, we get to speak to Lucy Dillon. I am the director of Lucy Dillon Consulting Limited, a consultancy specialising in knowledge, innovation and technology for professional services and in particular the legal profession. So the conversation today uh, allowed us to finally, I guess, talk about the pandemic and the lessons learnt and also just discuss a bit more around service delivery and what the PSL does within that. And we we talk a bit about being uh, in the middle of that spider's web. Technology, business challenges, clients' needs, all wrapped up into service delivery. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I certainly did. So please sit back, grab a cup of tea, enjoy listening to this. And um, if you'd like to get in touch, please do so. The Knowledge Series. Lucy. Good morning or good afternoon, even nearly. Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to um, grab some time with me to have a chat. We have been doing this podcast for a little while now, and we've been introduced to some amazing people and some amazing stories and information that we've sort of listened to. And I'm really excited to uh, to see where this takes us, purely because, as I've said to you before, I mentioned to a few colleagues and friends I was speaking to you, and uh, you have a, a really good, if you'll call it, reputation on the circuit So hopefully you can offload some pearls of wisdom for someone who's got the intrigue about knowledge management and that's the the, the focus of today being uh, client service delivery. So Lucy, we already know your name. So in true Scylla Black style, I was going to say, what's your name and where do you come from? But give us a bit about yourself. Ben, thank you very much for that lovely introduction and no pressure. And let me tell you a little bit about myself and how I came to where I am today. So I started a very traditional legal career. I did my articles, as they then were, at Linklaters. I qualified as a litigator and practiced in the commercial litigation department for about seven years. And then I left to have a baby. And just to show how, how old I am, when I came back, I asked to work four days a week. And in those days, no part-time work in the city. So uh, just by coincidence, the PSL in the team was leaving. And so I was offered that role as a way back into coming back to work and, you know, maybe do it for six months and then see how you feel. And I have to say, after about six weeks, I realized that this was the dream job. So I very quickly said, I love my clients. I love the work. I loved going to court. I loved the excitement. But actually, this is absolutely what I want to be doing. I get all the same stimulation, but much more control over my personal life. So I stayed as a professional support lawyer in the litigation department at Linklaters, then did an MBA and then moved to Bowen Leighton Paisner as their first director of knowledge management. So sort of leaving my litigation expertise behind in a way, because as an overall director of KM, nobody cares what your discipline was. So that was a bit of a, I was nostalgic about that, but, you know, very interested in learning about, you know, how KM worked in real estate or finance. And I was there for a long time. I was there for 13 years and built the department. And it was just at the time where sort of technology was becoming you know, really a part of the way we deliver legal services that I was approached by Reed Smith in 2015 to become their global KM lead. And 
that was the next challenge for me was to take on a global role. And so I, I moved to Reed Smith. And it was there that KM and technology really worked hand in hand to help our legal teams, but also to advance and enhance legal service delivery. And I left Reed Smith in September last year, so September 2021. And I am now an independent consultant using my many years of experience in knowledge and in innovation, working with law firms and in-house counsel and actually some non-law professional service firms. So, you know, having a, a range of experiences. I hasten to ask, do you miss it? Do you miss the full time in the law firm experience or you're quite happy right now in this post kind of COVID world of dipping your toe in and, and picking up that consultancy along the way? So it's really interesting. And we were talking a little bit before we started recording about going back into the office and, you know, meeting people and collaboration and, you know, just spending time reconnecting. And I do miss that. You know, I miss the team aspect of working deep on a project with people I've known and worked for years. So that I miss. But I absolutely love the variety of what I'm doing now. And I've got lots of mini teams. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're, you're best friends to lots of firms now. So lots of firms, lots of different groups of people. But, you know, there is a, a community you have when you're working for an organisation full time, which you don't have as a consultant. So um, there's swings and roundabouts, but I'm, I'm certainly having an absolute ball doing what I'm doing now. So no regrets apart from the office environment. I just want to pick up on something you said there. And I think it'd be really interesting for maybe some listeners. If we think about the PSL that you applied to be post baby, how would the job advert for that role look now compared to what it was when you first started or maybe applied for that role then in terms of how has it changed? Oh, it's changed completely. And and having kind of led teams over the years, you know, I've seen that evolution. And um, so my role was very much a backroom role, which I have to say didn't suit me very well. (laughs) But uh, it was a lot about precedent drafting, query management and training. Those were the sort of three areas that were really the focus of what I was doing. And the first evolution was much more client facing. So suddenly the things that the PSLs were doing, and as the role matured, there was a realisation that actually This stuff is really interesting for clients as well. So client training was one of the first things that that we started to do. But then sharing that legal technical expertise with clients was something that, that became much more common. You know, those relationships between the knowledge team and the client became very valuable. And then the whole explosion of technology has completely changed um, the role. So that was sort of, I suppose, there's a sort of third wave, if you like. And um, I always think of the KM team as sort of It's not a very nice description, but I think it works. The spider in the middle of the web. You know, we have so many connections with all the different practice groups and all the different business services teams across a law firm. Once the role became really well established, we get pulled into all sorts of things. So I I have actually seen that. You know, I've worked in legal tech now. I call it legal tech for 18 years or take and I've really seen that evolution as well around the KM function and its involvement within projects within firms both client facing and also within the building so internal projects and sort of ways of communicating that stuff back to our to the legal departments so 
So one of the subjects we were going to sort of try and focus on, I guess, today was around service delivery. And I've written in my notes, service delivery, and I've written, the race is on. And I think that's a, a way of, I would say, the ecosystem of the law firm is right now. It's a race. It feels like law firms are frantically trying to advertise and showcase their services to the global world because of the, the pandemic. We will come on to that pandemic situation. But before we get into that, you know, from your you know, experience now, how would you define what's, what does service delivery mean to a law firm? And what are they trying to achieve when we talk about service delivery? Oh, it's a multifaceted answer to this. So I think obviously service delivery is the way legal advice is delivered to a client. And that has evolved so much. So from a purely KM perspective, the things that we were most involved in was how you transfer that information. So a lot more use of technology platforms to share documentation, to share advice, to share queries and updates and so on. So putting a lot of transaction management online, if you like, you know, so it's still the lawyers giving advice and drafting documents and communicating, but a lot more online. And then there is a whole piece around who actually does some of that work. So the, the whole offshoring, north shoring, subsidiary, working with other organisations who deliver different aspects of a particular transaction and Suskin calls it disaggregation. You know, the law firm or the lawyer sitting in an, an office in the city does not have to do everything. So is there other legal professionals who can do different aspects of that? So bringing in groups. My previous BLP, we had uh, an office in Manchester. At Reed Smith, we have an office in, in Leeds that deliver some of the aspects of a particular transaction or or dispute. So, so service delivery is the package of who do, also of who does what when. Interesting. I think something as well that I've picked up on, and maybe you sort of have a, an opinion of it, is that the way that technology is, has helped open doors and influence and educate, people are asking law firms more specific legal requests over and above generic advice. And, and that's purely I would say because of the world of Google, right? People are Googling stuff before they ask a serious question potentially to a lawyer. And so, you know, with that in mind, you know, from that service delivery, how do you think the tech has helped a law firm to give the best advice and give the best service to clients? Absolutely. It's been a huge element because there's also this, you know, clients to a certain extent want to self-serve now because they're used to Google. So it's like, I really don't want to ring Lucy and ask her because A, she's going to charge me, you know, half an hour's time for this very simple question. Wouldn't it be great if I could go onto a portal and, you know, find Lucy's answer in my own time? And that has been something which was was already very much in existence before the pandemic. But I think the the pandemic, because of the the speed at which information was, well, the laws and regulations were, were changing all the time. You know, it was much easier to, to have a pool that people could could access. But absolutely, I think the more specific information relating to a specific practice area for a specific client or group of clients, making that available online is something which we started to work on. It's exploded and there's no going back. There is no going back. And I might come back to that. As I say, I work in the legal tech side of this. and I've, I've worked with many law firms over the years. We have this big thing right now that we're looking at around what we call the buyer's journey. 
Okay. And so you could almost re talk about that and say the client's journey. And one thing that from a technology standpoint and that we, we've really defined now is that it's strange to think, but a buyer's journey now starts on a phone. So if you're, you know, a client is interested in, in a law firm, they'll go online and they'll look at that law firm. They'll investigate that law firm through their phone or their tablet or their online sort of platform. And that really then defines how the law firm might want to then start to engage with that client through apps through self-service. And so that service delivery is, is exploded from a technology standpoint into this multifaceted sort of experience. And I think the pandemic, as we come on to in a second, has really accelerated that. Let's talk about this, the world. And, I, and I've written down here, uh, let's talk about the C word, the C word that no one likes to talk about, chaos. So, you know, what, two years ago now, probably a bit longer, we were all looking at the news looking at this thing in the distance going, oh, that will be all right. It's, it's just a mild cold. And then sadly, things changed for the worse. And we had to adopt as a society very quickly. And it was a challenge for everybody. And certainly within the legal world, I do remember these words that somebody said to me, uh, it was a client, and they said, whilst we still have civilization, we have the law. And so the law does not stop. And so we were very much sort of carrying on as best we could. And we've asked a few people on the way, but can you recall where you were and what you were doing during that period? Reed Smith actually closed earlier than Boris's mandate, but it was sometime around then. And um, we were told, I think, on the Wednesday that we'd close on the Friday. So anyway, we had a day to collect our things together and sort of work out what we needed at home. And then from the Monday, which I think was the week Boris made his announcement, we were all working from home. And, you know, we were very lucky. Everybody had a laptop or most people had a laptop. We very quickly made sure that those who didn't were provided with what was required. So, you know, the the transition to be able to operate was seamless. And we sort of picked up uh, on the Monday where we left off, where things became more complicated as things closed down were, obviously there was the, the law was changing all the time and we can talk a little bit about how we managed that, but there were some very practical things that we immediately had to get our arms around, like how do you sign a document? How do you witness a document? What do we do about court hearings? And, and so my team swung into action, dealing with the law, of course, but also dealing with these very practical things about how we keep the show on the road. You know, we've got to close this deal. How are we going to do it? And because my team had been working together on a number of these, these tools and also all the PSLs across the city were also working on these things together, we suddenly found that you know, the PSL became a member of the team. And, you know, the thing that always springs to mind was DocuSign and how lucky Reed Smith was completely by chance in the US. We had adopted DocuSign a number of years before and had actually worked with the DocuSign providers to make it fit for purpose for the law firm experience. And it was being used in the US in our Pittsburgh office, where we have a number of paralegals and staff attorneys doing some of that very routine work. And they used it, but it was a very small number. And one of our PSLs in London, completely by chance, working in our real estate team, needed to create an online offering for clients, which enabled them to execute leases with their tenants online. So suddenly she became a DocuSign expert and we were all, well, that's great, but nobody else is ever going to use that. We don't need, why would we need that? We've managed for years without it. Yeah, but great. 
so glad you know about it. That's fantastic and great because it's something that we've been able to offer in a package to a client, but who cares? Anyway, suddenly she became, you know, one of the most important people, certainly in our London office, because she knew how to do it. And so all the PSLs became DocuSign experts, not a role that they particularly wanted, but suddenly they were at closings doing the deal and they were working with the PSLs in the counterpart firms, working out how this deal was going to close. And you know, they suddenly became invaluable. And then they became invaluable because then they were talking to clients about how to use it. And that's the piece, the client engagements as well, because your clients' expectations were still there. They still wanted to do their their transaction or see through their their, their challenges with that law firm. So the client piece is always so important. We often forgot about that. We're always looking at ourselves about how do I do this? How do I do this? But actually what we're here to do is service our clients and the clients had those expectations. And their interests are absolutely, you know, we know we need to use this particular piece of technology, but so do the clients. So you you guys were pretty lucky, it feels like, in terms of, you know, a global firm, you were pretty set up already with that kind of agile, remote, potential working. Certainly from a a, a US standpoint, the, the culture has very much been around that kind of remote access work. So it feels like you guys... We're in a good place. I have heard some very funny stories, or not funny, around firms who for years have been promising that they are a 24-7 access firm. Anyone can remote anywhere. And then the day happened and the whole plan just fell apart. But for you, for you in particular, it feels like you had a really good scenario played out for you. One thing I would say, and I, you know, for a Having, I work for, if you want to call it a tech vendor, you know, there's nothing more frustrating for a, a technology vendor, spends a long time you know, showing the benefits of technology to a firm, and then it just goes on the shelf. And then suddenly goes, oh, well, we haven't really, oh, I think we've got it. I'm not really sure. And, you know, and, oh, oh, we've got this. And suddenly, you know, it's like it opens up and it's amazing. But as a tech vendor person, we want you to be using it every day. And and, and now they are, I'm sure. And they're probably thinking, Where, why didn't we do this before? So, no, that, that, is, that is really interesting, I think. So, so how do you think the lawyer has coped, I think, over the last sort of 12, 18 months? How do you think they've coped in terms of, their jobs, their roles, and, you know, achieving what they've had to achieve. Talking to my team and, you know, their sort of their relationship with the lawyers that they worked with, I think, you know, it was really hard to move to a home environment, just learning to work in a different way. And yes, the technology was seamless and that was great. But it was still very different. You know, you can't print something off. You haven't got your secretary sitting outside. You haven't got all your colleagues around you. And, oh, she's the person who knows about this. I'll just go and chat to her or I'll bump into him in the coffee queue and I can ask him. So I think it was the technology piece was fine, but the sort of interrelationship and the way people got things done was very different. And I think that made people feel not vulnerable, I suppose, but just unsettled in a way. And certainly my team found themselves doing a lot of not handholding, but just reassuring people that everything that they needed was there and they could find everything and and, and we were there to, to help and support them. And I think there was much more of that than, than there had been previously, where I guess they, they could rely on, on others. And I think, you know, the PSL, I, I hate that term, we're using it for effect, but people who know me know that S piece is, is, is just an anathema to me. We call them knowledge development lawyers, knowledge management lawyers, whatever it is, but there's no, I hate this word support. Anyway, we'll use it for now <laughs> okay. because it's what 
term. <laughs> what everybody is, you know, it's the term. They are the, the, the non-judgmental experts within a practice group who you can go to with your stupid question mm-hmm. because, you know, they're not there to judge and they're there to help. The definition of that role has changed, not only from legal advisory, investigation, but almost counsel and support. But would you say then, you know, if you were to look at, let's call it the new generation who are applying to come and work within a a law firm, they need to be coming now armed with new skills, different skills outside of their qualified skills. And where, where I'm going with this is actually this whole hybrid world and how we're engaging with clients Are we now looking at new people coming in with a different approach to personality, uh, different ways of engagement, confidence? Do you see what I mean? I think we have to be looking at how we employ people differently, potentially, because of this, I don't want to say fragile world, but suddenly things are a bit different in terms of how we operate. And you don't have the mentor at the end of the desk who is going to be there next to you. You don't have the PSL who is sat next door. You know, there's a whole different approach now in how this operation works. Yeah, although I think firms have done an amazing job in trying to replicate, you know, those those relationships in a, in a hybrid environment. And I remember listening to a partner, and we want to call, and it was a partner and his trainee who would normally be sitting in the same room as him. And you know, in passing, he said, "Oh well, let's let's talk about that at our two o'clock." And and chat 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 chat. And then and then the conversation continued. And he said, "Oh yeah, well we can cover that at our eleven o'clock tomorrow." So I said to him afterwards, ten o'clock, two o'clock. He said, "Yeah, I speak to my trainee twice a day. If they were in the room, we'd be talking all the time." So we have, you know, I, I can't remember. It's half an hour in the morning sure. and fifteen minutes in the afternoon, and you know, it could be longer than that. And I thought that was absolutely fantastic because this is somebody who he'd never met in person. You know, their entire relationship was virtual. But he said, you know, my job is to impart as much as I can as we work together. And obviously they would talk, they had lots of other conversations with people. He wanted to maintain. And I and I thought, yeah, it's so important. And then, and as I was saying, that the PSLs with that supporting role, and particularly for juniors coming in, you know, or trainees, the PSL is the first person very often that they meet, apart from the person they're going to be sitting with. And it's the person who'll do all that, a lot of that onboarding and a lot of the training. So will be, you're right, sort of counsellor, you know, first port of call for the stupid questions. And it's, it's okay to ask stupid questions. I can't tell people in my team this all the time. There's no such thing as a stupid question. There's often a silly answer. <laughs> Well, you know what it's like when you're sitting in a conference yeah. and you think, I'd really like to ask that question, but it really yeah. is dumb. And then someone else asks it, and they go, oh, that's a really inc- interesting question. He's like, I know, I'm glad you asked that. I'm glad you asked that. Yeah. The whole room was thinking it. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted you just to run back. It's something about that service delivery. And it's something that I, you know, we talk about the technology slant of it. One thing the pandemic has created is the speed of which things are turned around now is actually a way faster than it was potentially in the world pre-pandemic. And, and I'm a big believer of that. If you think about efficiency, you know, people working at home, how much bang for your buck a law firm now gets out of that lawyer has changed dramatically. I, I truly believe this. You know, we are we're coming into our own world and our houses or our offices at home and we are we're fixated on that work and we get it done. So our efficiencies, I believe, are really going really fast and high up there. My concern, and maybe you have a, a, a sort of comment on this, is that the speed is now expected by our clients. Can we keep up with that demand and where does it end? Because the request coming in from clients is always going to be there and that promise of turnaround and speed of delivery is getting faster and faster and faster. Surely this is a house of cards. 
But I think, you know, technology is is going to be our savior in that respect. So just thinking about that speed piece and reflecting back on the pandemic, you're absolutely right. So two particular, and there'll be others, but just in terms of the practice areas that I was most familiar with, and it was by coincidence more than anything else. So labor and employment were turning things around so fast because the rules were, were, were changing around, you know, people working from home and then you know, then people going back to the office. And in the US, we had expert, we didn't have PSLs in every state, but we had experts in every state. And we had to put that, we had to make that available online, both for our internal use, because we had somebody in New York who'd be asked a question about something happening in California. And you couldn't expect our Californian lawyers to be available to answer the very simple questions. So that piece around making information available online 24-7, so anyone in, internally could consume it, was was really important. And then as we were talking about, we needed the information, but actually we were just passing it on to our clients. So not to cut out the middleman exactly, but to deliver at speed, as you described, to make sure that you know our clients had the information at their fingertips. We made a lot of that information available to clients so they could self-serve and they could consume. And then what you find is the client can take their query or their issue, you know, maybe all the way, or they may be able to take 70% of the way, but then the remaining 30% is really valuable. And that's where you need an expert. And that's that value-added service that the law firm provides. Exactly. Exactly. And then in, in the UK, where we we did have a, an amazing PSL in our labor and employment team. She was doing daily updates for the team. They just sent those out directly to clients. She obviously changed the tone a little bit and took out some of the Reed Smith jargon. But, you know, in that, let's get it to clients as soon as we can. And I know all firms were were doing this, but it was that speed of, you know, we can't, it's not going to look the prettiest, but, you know, it really doesn't matter. Get it out the door. Get it out there. And we did the same with our with our extranets. So finance was another area and there were a lot of support packages available. Um, and in particular in the US, we created an online application form for some of the support packages out there. And we had SharePoint. We'd been using it for years as a um, portal, an extranet portal. And is it the best tool in the world? <laughs> I'm very conscious of who I'm talking to. It's well, it's as good as it gets. It's, you know, it's what we had and we just didn't have time to think, hmm, well, it doesn't do everything. It's like, we know how it works. A lot of clients are very comfortable using SharePoint. Let's just do it. And, you know, we managed to do a lot of that offering of... of people made w- good with what they had at that moment in time. Absolutely. But I would, I would say, you know, just while we move on to something else, is that the pandemic, in my opinion, fast-forwarded the strategic plans of technology within a law firm. It forced the hand. They had ideas of visions of where they wanted to go to in a technology uh, stance and the pandemic hit and suddenly those ideas were put to the sword. Right, let's do it. Let's go now. We haven't got time to wait. Let's go. And from my side, you know, I, I work for a, a, you know, a tech company. We, we found that, if you want to call it that, buying cycle was short because people didn't feel they wanted to or didn't need to or didn't have the energy to go through the whole RFP process of selecting of vendors. They were like, if that's best of breed and all these guys are using it, let's go with it. We have not got time. We've got to go. Mm-hmm. And that was a really interesting time for us. Okay. I want to just, uh, as we sort of summarize that, let's talk about lessons learned. And uh, because 
you know, we've all got, you know, lessons learned in lots of things, but, that, you know, from a professional world of what we've gone through in the last couple of years, if you were to talk to someone now and say, guys, if a pandemic ever hits again, these are the three things that I think you should listen to from my perspective, what would you tell someone? So if I was talking to somebody in the KM function, the first thing I would say to people is don't be afraid to promote and communicate things that you have been doing for a long time that everybody should know about. You know, people will be in a state of anxiety because of the changes. And what they want is that constant, reassuring information flow around what's available from the knowledge perspective and what they can do for themselves and where to go for help. So reminding people of what's available and the benefits I think is really important. We did quite a lot of re-education just to remind people of what was there. And, you know, there was a little bit of not just amongst my team, but amongst in the KM community in general, like, Ugh, you know, people should know all this. Mm. But people are really busy and, you know, may not have been using the tools very much or they've been relying on their juniors to do it for them. And suddenly, you know, people wanted to be self-sufficient. So I think being patient in that sort of education process, I think is really helpful. Second thing is just be really flexible. You don't want to be a DocuSign expert, but what do the lawyers need and what do the firm's clients need? They need you to tell them how to use the technology and the benefits of it. And yes, it's it's not the most exciting thing in the world. It's really, really important to, to our clients' business. It's just following the client and, and their requirements. And then sort of following on from that is just don't think about your boundaries. PSLs are so busy. And because of that thing I was talking about earlier about being the spider in the middle of the web, they get pulled in so many directions. And it's very tempting to say, I'm going to tell you what I do do and what I don't do. And there is, of course, a place for that. But I think in an environment like the one we've just lived through, don't be boundary ridden because you never know what's going to come up next. And sometimes the most exciting things come out of least expected uh, areas. So just be very open to what the, the needs of the business are. Very good. Very good advice there. And um, I think uh, you could pick that up and pick, put that to pretty much any scenario over the last couple of years. It's really interesting to, to take that on board. Yeah. So I guess it's around, you know, we, we talked about this um, uh, last time is plan for everything but just remain flexible, right? Because like you're just saying, you really don't know what's going to happen next. And the world that we work in within the legal technology world, it is changing by the day right now, which is exciting. It's scary, but exciting. So good. Um, one thing I always like to ask our guests around knowledge management is definition. And so before we kind of finish off, you know, someone's going to listen to this podcast and kind of picking up a few um, sort of nuggets along the way. How would you define KM. Oh, this is such, I'm sure everybody's told you, oh, it's just such an impossible question. It was all going so well. And now you say the worst question for the end, I'll of course have a stab at it. But I always say to people when I was introducing myself, uh, whichever firm I was at, I said, I have the best job in the firm absolutely hands down with the worst title because it means nothing and it means everything, which actually is one of the, is one of the joys of it because it's so vague you know, you can find yourself, you know, doing legal project management, doing pricing, being involved in process improvement. You know, there are, it, it just can move and ebb and flow as to the needs of the particular practice. But as for definition, I'm going to 
split this definition into two. And if you're thinking about the knowledge piece, I have a lovely quote that came from one of the knowledge development lawyers at, at BLP when we were talking about you know, what it is that we do in knowledge management. He said, our job is to give people the tools to be as good as the best. Nice. And I've never found a better definition of that. And Theo Jones, if you're listening, thank you, sir. So there's that piece, but then there's the service delivery piece and where knowledge management uh, blends with innovation and technology and how we are using new tools, new technology, new people, new processes to improve, speed up the service delivery to clients. And there, I think it's about being curious. And I think the KM function has a huge role to play in being curious and challenging about how we can deliver our legal service in the best way possible for our clients' needs. And I think PSLs have a unique position because they stand slightly back from from the practice. So they have that fantastic overview of what their particular practice area does. So can see and make connections, which the lawyers who are deep in transactions or, or disputes or whatever it may be, you know, don't have the time or the bandwidth to look at. And so I think they have that unique position to to look at what their particular practice group is doing and start thinking about how it could be done better or taking hints and tips from what other practice groups are doing and say, well, hang on a minute, real estate are doing something really innovative in this particular. Couldn't we use that? So I think there's some real value in those groups of professionals within law firms working together to think about ways uh, we can change and evolve our our legal service delivery. Bit of a long-winded definition. No, I think it's brilliant. Lucy, thank you for taking the time out today. I think that has been one of the most open and honest discussions around the challenges that certainly I've had for for a while. And um, I wish you all the best in your your new chapter. And uh, I'm sure we will see you, as I call it, on the circuit very soon. Thanks very much. Thanks, Ben. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. The Knowledge Series. For more information, go to legalsolutions.thompsonreuters.co.uk.